The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week, and it is a pleasure to be back, viewers and listeners. COVID could keep me down, but only temporarily. I am back in your loving embrace again, radio and podcasting land. But oh my goodness, did that dreaded COVID-19 knock me on my little butt. Oh my goodness. I, You know, I'm going to make go ahead and make a controversial stance here. COVID, I'm against it. I'm anti it. You know, I, I know some people may have a different point of view, but I'm I'm firmly against this particular ailment. And I would say I don't wish it on anyone. So there you go. That's me taking a stand. Joined happily by my co-host this week, Zach Sloan. How's it going, Zach? Um, To play the foil to you, as I always do, I am pro-COVID. And I feel like now is a good time for us to hash this out on air. Pro-COVID. Pro-COVID. <laughs> No, as um, in all seriousness, as somebody who's had COVID a few times, it sucks, and I'm so sorry you had it. A few? Yeah, dude, I'm a teacher. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, like that's that's that makes sense. You're a live classroom teacher. You will catch anything and everything yep. multiple times. Yes, um, uh, it sucks. I'm so glad you're back. I'm glad I'm back too. Like, I mean, I, I don't think I've missed a show for sickness before. It's hard to miss a show for sickness when you record the show from your spare mm-hmm. bedroom as I do but like this thing it was weird so like I didn't get a no cough I know that's like you know the iconic thing with COVID right is the cough no cough like barely like a runny nose barely a sore throat the only real honest to God symptom I had was I was fatigued to the point where I couldn't yeah. move or talk I was completely recliner ridden for about a solid week and like couldn't even like get to my chair to get on a microphone to talk about the music industry and entertainment and empowering indie creators for one measly hour i've it's it's a level of tired that i have never experienced it was weird yeah when i've when i've had COVID, the first time i had covid i remember feeling not quite that bad but like the fatigue really got me and stuck stuck around a while so i'm glad to see you're already back on your feet and walking or shuffling depending on how fatigued you still are i'd say i'm about let's say like 90 percent. that's pretty good not man. not fully like not fully back into it by any stretch of the imagination but like i could go today and i feel like i'm gonna i might sound like my voice might sound a little tired and i'm still kind of getting over this but uh not as bad as i was last week oh my goodness i have nothing but gratitude to producer lauren and gideon king for filling in a very last minute situation because i thought like i'd be able 
to tough it out and do the episode. And then that day, I just I reached out to Lauren. I was like, it ain't going to happen. Talk to yeah. Gideon, see if he's willing to host. And if anybody knows Gideon King, the uh, nothing excites him more than the idea of getting to host the show by himself and have more speaking time. So I did not have to do much in the way of arm twisting to get Gideon King uh, to uh, lead the show for a week. And he did a wonderful job, and producer Lauren did a wonderful job, and our guest Frankie Ray was awesome. So I think the viewers yeah. and listeners had themselves a good time while I was gone, but it was but it's good to be back. Yes, yes, it's good good to have you back. And you know, in the future, if you ever have to take a random sick day, I I think that you need to have Metal Dave on speed dial. Oh, wouldn't that be dazzling? Let's I go gotta, old school. I gotta check you in with him. Like I talk to him pretty regularly, of course, for the. For the diehard Break the Business fans, you know about yeah. the original Break the Business co-host Metal Dave, who goes all the way back to episode one. A lot of I I swear, like more than any other question I get on the show, people ask me how is Dave doing. <laughs> Can I just throw in there, like Dave is is kicking butt in in personally, professionally, he's doing wonderfully. All right, Metal Dave, former Break the Business co-host. Uh, amazing lawyer has a great law job works uh works in central florida has a wonderful wife a beautiful baby girl and is just he's just living the dream i want to see if we can maybe sashay him back towards a, a a break the business appearance again i see producer lauren uh you know giving me the 400 signal saying perhaps we bring him back for episode 400 i'd be down for that i have no objection to that and since i have planned literally nothing else for episode 400 yet even though it is fast approaching uh having metal day fill in some of that time makes a lot of sense for me we got a great show for y'all this week viewers and listeners as if it wasn't awesome enough to have zach sloan here we're also going to be joined later in the show by Sarah Barnett, general manager of Brooklyn Bowl Nashville. We love the Brooklyn people, Brooklyn Bowl people here, around here. <laughs> There's a little COVID brain. Let me try that one again. We love the Brooklyn Bowl people around here at Break the Business. We had Lucas Sachs on a few months ago. Uh, he was awesome, and I imagine that Sarah Barnett's going to be great, too. Lots of great advice about how artists can get into mid-sized venues. And just, I'm excited to hear even more about the Brooklyn Bowl story, because what a cool venue, Zach. As if, just take all the things that Ryan loves the most in the world. Hey, Ryan, you love live music? Oh, yeah, I do. You love really good food? Yeah, I get down for that. How about bowling? Okay, I'm sold. Let's go check out this venue. That's Brooklyn Bowl. Music, bowling, amazing food, great vibes. They got locations all over the country. Who doesn't love that whole uh, aesthetic of Brooklyn Bowl? Provided the bowling is not going on during the, the show, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> that was actually my first Brooklyn Bowl question. Like, are, are gigs, like, being interrupted by, like, somebody throwing a strike? No, they are very, very separated. Like... <laughs> I know when you're thinking of like a music venue in a bowling alley, you're thinking like maybe like a tiny little stage with like a hundred people standing around, you know, right 100? next to the, the, the video arcade or whatever. Right. Four. Yeah. But like, that's not Brooklyn, like Brooklyn bowl. That's a real honest to God, kick-ass midsize music venue. It's a completely separate venue. 
bowling alley adjacent, but like that's it's a real venue there. We're not talking about like some little crummy stage that's six inches off the ground and is interrupted by people picking up spares. Like Brooklyn Bowl is a cool, cool venue. And it's something that you definitely be excited to play out with your band, Zach. So if we want to use any part of that interview to maybe ingratiate yourself with our guests, maybe get your band a gig there, I'm all for it. I'm I'm 100% down. And I've, you know what? I think Picking Up Spares is the best band name I've never heard. Wow, yeah. That's a good one, man. I just give write that one down, put it on my list of band name ideas, all for that. Oh, I, I already see it there. Lauren is Googling pictures of the Brooklyn Bowl venue so you can it's, see how... It's rad. Oh, yeah. It is see, rad. That venue is not getting interrupted by somebody throwing a strike. That's really, really something. So, yeah, excited to talk to Sarah Barnett later in the show yeah, all cool. about that. And let me tell you, Zach, as if Sarah Barnett doesn't blow you away enough, the guests that we got coming down the line here at Break the Business worth writing home about all right let me just let me lay some of these out for you man like this is this is we are we've been hitting kind of a great guest hot streak lately so next week on the show we got uh we're we got evan kid bogart coming back amazing uh songwriter he was on the show i believe last year promoting his halloween project for those of you who don't know about evan kid bogart's relationship with break the business it's a pretty interesting one okay evan is a songwriter who writes with some of the biggest for some of the biggest stars in music including beyonce but when he's not doing that for some reason he likes to write kooky weird halloween songs and make like a big deal about them every october and of course break the business we want to have him on not to talk about working with beyonce but to talk about the halloween album and so we're going to have him on next week to talk about his latest halloween releases maybe get some of his thoughts on his favorite halloween candy so that's coming up um two weeks from now we're going to be joined by congresswoman uh deborah ross the author, the sponsor of the Protect Working Musicians Act, the new version of it. So we're going to talk to her all about that new bill designed to empower working uh, musicians, giving them the ability to collectively bargain against platforms like Spotify if this bill gets passed. That's going to be really rad. Then we get into October, and we got Mike Fink, uh, top executive at DistroKid. We're going to talk. We've never had a DistroKid person on before. Finally, we've right. broken that losing streak. And we're going to talk to him all about DistroKid. And then later in November, Taylor Lorenz coming by the show. Top shelf Washington Post reporter, one of the biggest names in pop culture journalism. She's going to be joining the program to talk about her latest book. So the, oh, my God. We got, we got some great guests coming your way October, November. Stick around for every piece of that. It's going to be an absolute blast. Oh, I'm excited, Zach. Those, that sounds pretty dope, actually. Um, you've, you've had, I gotta say ever since, uh, I'd say the past year you've had some just ridiculously cool guests on that I've enjoyed listening to and talking to. So I'm glad to see you're keeping the streak alive, Ryan. I'm telling you, I, I, I am in awe of some of the draws that we get lately. And I, I take none of the credit for that. All right. All the credit goes to the viewers and listeners, right. Who have made the show what it is that make this name a recognizable name in this admittedly niche genre that we have in podcasting and radio that makes people want to come on this program and talk about these particular topics with us. Right. Uh, couple that with some amazing publicists that we have built relationships with over the years that bring amazing guests our way. But 
it all comes back to the fans. The fans are the reason why we get to talk to amazing people each week, like Sarah Barnett this week, or like Evan K. Bogart, or Taylor Lorenz, or all these people that we have coming on. I feel hashtag blessed for all these amazing, amazing opportunities we have uh, with this show. It's, 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 I'm giddy. I'm absolutely giddy. Um, I got a couple directions I want to take this uh, first segment in before we bring in Sarah Barnett. A few different things I want to talk about with you. Uh, but first off, let's let's do a little bit of uh, entertainment law news. I don't know if this is the right one. Nope. Nope. There it is. You killed innocent Hang on. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. There it is. Entertainment law news. I'm still recovering from COVID, people. I'm a little bad with the uh, sound effect buttons. Uh, rap superstar Drake has attracted some copyright controversy recently when members of 80s synth pop group Pet Shop Boys, glad we're bringing those folks back, mm-hmm. have accused Drake of stealing lyrics from their 1984 hit song West End Girls in Drake's new song All of the Parties. So I, I don't know if you've heard about this story, Zach, but here's what we got. All right. Drake just dropped a new album and the current big hit on that album is a song called All the Parties that uh, contains the following lyrics. It's six, our town, a dead-end world, east-end boys, and west-end girls. If you are any kind of 80s synth-pop fan, you might think, boy, that sure sounds like a Pet Shop Boys song, specifically the Pet Shop Boys song, West End Girl, which famously has the lyrics in the chorus, in a west-end town, a dead-end world, the east-end boys and west-end girls. And so... Pet Shop Boys did not expect for the Drake for Drake to you know have similar lyrics in his song in a post on their official X account Pet Shop Boys said quote surprising to hear Drake singing the chorus of West End Girls in the track All the Parties on his new album no credit given or permission requested so Pet Shop Boys just said straight out we got jacked. We did not endorse this. We were not co-writers on this. We uh, don't know why this happened, but it's a uh, it's a big problem now. Currently, Drake is listed as the only credited writer on the All the Parties track. And uh, honestly, Zach, in this day and age, when we know, like, we I feel like we we had we've had stretches where like not a month goes by where we don't do at least one story about there being a copyright issue. And you have an artist like Drake who presumably has a non-zero number of lawyers circling his career at any given time to give him advice. How does a lyric from a song just get put into a song and at no point a lawyer doesn't go, hey, uh, we should probably get that uh, cleared before we put that right in your song? Because, yeah, you can't just take another artist's lyric, particularly one as iconic as that one, and just put it in your song without getting permission. It's pretty clear copyright issues. It's a very... It's puzzling man like to somebody had to know and even right? the melodies are similar zach like it's right. not like oh, okay it's coincidence because the because maybe the lyrics are kind of the same but otherwise it's different no even the the melody the rhythm like it's pretty clear he was trying to uh evoke the pet shop boys lyric it's weird to me because like in on one hand there's only so many rhymes in the english language or any language right and but then at the same time, when you start cribbing entire phrases, yeah. it's like, okay, something's up here. I I cannot, I just cannot fathom 
how Drake's label and people let this happen. I also can't fathom that he's the only writer on on a song. By the way, have you seen <laughs> hip hop credits lately? They're like it's, fourteen people. It's cool. It's it's usually yeah. I, I've uh, I've I've had to. Nothing is more annoying than when you are like repping the songwriters on one of these rap songs and then it gets used in a TV commercial and you have to go chase down a dozen different publishing companies to get yeah. all of them to sign off on the sync placement. It is a nightmare. Yeah, I was pretty surprised to see a single writer on this track when, she, when there at least should be more than a few pet shop boys listed on that writing credit. Look, when it comes to copyright infringement, right, our show is always the... Let's stop being so damn litigious about copyright infringement. There's too many copyright suits out there. There's too many frivolous suits out there. We're always that show. And even our show is going to be the first one to say, you can't do what you just did here, Drake. Like pretty clear copyright infringement situation. This is so different than like, oh, it's the same chord progression. This is light years away from it. And I just, it I know I've said this twice. This baffles me how it happened. Yeah. This is not Ed Sheeran and Marvin Gaye similar chord progression. This is not Taylor Swift using a a uh, you know very common piece yeah. of street slang like hate is going to hate and assuming that like one songwriter owns a monopoly on that. This is a pretty unique you know set of words with a pretty recognizable melody that was used without any sort of licensing and that's that is copyright 101 and i don't know how something like this gets cleared and i I assume it's only a matter of time before this gets fixed right before you know pet shop boy lawyers talk to drake lawyers and suddenly when you check the songwriting credits on uh all the parties you're gonna see the uh the pet shop boys on there but yeah unforced error it's it's so dumb. It's so dumb. But yeah, I would like to reiterate the biggest concern is that there's only one writer on a hip hop song. That just that doesn't <laughs> seem possible to me. That's that's red flag number one, Ryan. Well, not the most colossally bad mistake I came across uh, this particular week. Oh, no. uh, Zach, I want to bring a story to your attention that no. you know is going to speak to you as a teacher, as a, as a public school teacher. God. Um. I mean, look, he's already got like his his uh, your hoodie on. You're, you're kind of worried about this. Um, you should be. This is a cringe moment. Like this is a how could a teacher let this happen moment? OK, uh, this actually came out of a, of a, a nearby uh, charter school in uh, Miami Springs. So not too far from where we do break the business here in Kendall, which is, you know, a few neighborhoods. Miami Springs is a little bit north of where we are. And they had a situation where it was a fourth grade teacher. I don't know if uh, uh, Miami New Times is reporting this story. Fourth grade teacher um, had a little bit of free time in her class. And like many teachers do in that situation, decided to play a movie. Now, you should know that I'm an education lawyer. And as a best practice, I tend to tell teachers not to play movies in class unless there is a clear educational reason to do so. Uh, because sometimes bad things can happen. And so in this case, the teacher uh, thought it a good idea to play a Winnie the Pooh movie. No. <laughs> you already know where this is going, yes. To play a Winnie the Pooh movie uh, for her students. 
Um, and rather than, you know, any of the Winnie the Pooh movies that you and I grew up with, the Disney classics or whatever, she decided instead to go with the 2022 slasher horror film, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. How much did she play before she realized it? She got about 30 minutes into Are the movie. Before me? she realized this is not the hundred acre wood that I recognize. I don't know. Oh God! Yep, there it is. Producer Lauren found the 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 horrific images from this movie. Yes, the uh, this teacher is in hot water because she played this movie to her fourth grade class. If you're not familiar, okay. In 2022, the Winnie the Pooh character, please take that off the screen. That is freaking me out, Lord. The Winnie the Pooh fictional character entered the public domain, which allows anybody to do whatever they want with this character, right? You can make completely new stories with Winnie the Pooh. And one filmmaker got the idea of creating a live action slasher horror flick where Winnie the Pooh and Piglet go on a murderous rampage where they're like killing uh you know young girls or whatever it is it is a disgusting just truly horrific movie that if you were playing it for say a group of nine-year-olds expecting the disney winnie the pooh um would be downright traumatizing and so that's what happened here this teacher played winnie the pooh blood and honey um and i can just i can just imagine like you know as a as a teacher, I believe you're also an elementary school teacher, right? Not just uh, middle so school, like, but I, I middle taught school. elementary. Okay, school. so like, I mean, you can imagine what would happen in a classroom if you were teaching that age group and, a, and you let a movie like this slip through the cracks. I just, Ryan, for the, I cannot, fa okay, you would talk about, I don't understand the Drake situation. I don't understand this. As soon as it's not a cartoon, how do you not turn it off? <laughs> like how, as soon as it comes out, like, I haven't seen it, but I've seen slasher movies. And I know it always starts off, scantily clad woman eventually gets murdered. The second it's not a cartoon and a woman in a bikini pops out, how do you not go, uh, wrong DVD and just, uh, dude, dude. Yeah. Like you, I have not seen this movie either, but you're right. Every slasher film, right? Usually the first slashing in every slasher film worth its salt is going to happen within the first five minutes, yes. right? They they don't uh, they don't drag that out, so you'll know pretty quickly what kind of movie you're watching. So I'm just if this went on for twenty or thirty minutes, like I need to know the teacher's thought process where she saw the first time that like Pignillet murdered somebody, and the teacher just went, "Let's see where this goes." Let's see. I bet there's a lesson in here somewhere. <laughs> this could still turn around. Like I mean, Christopher Robin hasn't even shown up yet. Like I can understand, I because you know every now and then you hear about a teacher who gets in trouble because like it was down in Florida, right? Somebody's showing a principal showing like the Michelangelo, and people freak out. And I'm like, I could see somebody thinking that it, art wouldn't be controversial, but here we are. I don't, I don't fathom at all how somebody's like, let's play a slasher movie, dog. Let's just see where this goes. <laughs> like I don't believe for one second that she. Like here's the thing, she knew. There's no way a teacher gets that far into it, Winnie the Pooh, and doesn't know. This I mean, the some... title is Blood and Honey. Yes. Like, this is somebody who's like, tr my guess, again, allegedly, I don't know, don't sue me. My guess is that this is somebody who's trying to see how far they could push it, and they got busted. And <laughs> good, good. And you know what? Fire them. This is, I hate being compared to people like this. All right? They should be out of education for doing stupid stuff like that.
And by the way, like as I was saying a little bit earlier, right, when I'm advising schools on this very topic, you know, to bring it back to what I was saying before, as, as a as a piece of advice, I will tell school principals, don't let your teachers play movies in class unless there's a clear pedagogical component. So if you yeah. want to play, you know, a a, a movie like even a movie like Twister, because you want to teach your kids about tornadoes, if you can co connect it to the. You know, or, or maybe you're teaching your kids about Jackie Robinson and you want to play the movie right. 42. That's probably a better example. I like um, Twister, but all right. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a clear pedagogical connection. And even I tell teachers, like, don't let your teachers play the whole movie, right? If you want to show them clips and then you stop the clip and then you have a class discussion to kind of make it more more educational, right? That's what I recommend. What I, what I will always advise against is schools playing movies just for the sake of playing movies, teachers hung over, end of the year, AP tests are over, let's just put on a movie just to run out the clock on the year. First of all, you could make a legal argument that you know, if you look at the way the copyright law is written, if you're playing a movie in class and there's no teaching or instruction involved, you could argue that, that might be a violation of copyright law. But secondly, you know, doing like if you give kind of teachers free range to play any kind of movie they want without having to tie it to something in the material, you end up with a blood and honey scenario. Dude, like, and here's the other thing. Let's get out of the legal arena for a minute. Educationally speaking, what's the point of just showing Winnie the Pooh movie? Like, yeah. really? Like, I don't just show movies to my students for the sake of it. I, I have things that they're supposed to learn. Come on. Come on, people, step it up. Yeah. Oh, my God. This this makes me... See, Ryan, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I have to now. I saw The Darkness in concert last night, and they illuminate... They they cast a, a, a halo over everything that you just smashed with this teacher story. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> that must have been a good show. I quit the podcast. <laughs> no, you can't leave, Zach, because I need you for something before we go to break here. All right. Um. So, the... I had a, I had a an idea that came to me for the AI Overlord tip of the week this week, and I need your help with it. Lauren, can you give us the imaging for that? All right, what happened there, producer Lauren? I'm allowed to make mistakes. I'm still recovering from COVID. What was that? Oh, <laughs> where was she? Wow, maybe I need to retest. Wah, 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 wah. I I moved it, and so like I went to where it was, and it wasn't there. Because you moved so I it. I had to. Because I moved it. <laughs> Not to mention, like it's on my stream deck. I could go boop. But no, I had to make things complicated. So for me to not delay anymore, I'll let you guys continue with this. It's show. that kind of professionalism that makes Sarah Barnett uh, definitely want to stick around for this show and not at all consider leaving before her interview. Um, so in honor of uh, this week's AI Overlord Tip of the Week and uh, acknowledging the fact that some of our best AI Overlord Tips of the Week have come at the hands of availing ourselves of Zach Sloan's acting chops. Uh, what I have done this week is I asked our AI overlord, ChatGPT, to give us a tip of the week, but in the form of one of those 
uh, audio engineers from those, you know, cliched music, a star is born kind of movies where the audio engineer like where the, the vocalist is singing the song and then the audio engineer stops the tape and then hits the intercom button and talks to the vocalist in their booth to give them like a pep top before they do their next take. And I would imagine, Zach, as a music producer, you've had to give this pep talk many times in many different versions. So I figured let's have ChatGPT write a script for Zach doing like the smarmiest, most cliched music engineer producer uh, giving advice to an artist in a movie uh, in the form of, uh, you know, our, our tip of the week this week. And do you have the script there, Zach? Oh, I'm ready to go. Of course you are. All right. L the floor is yours. Let's let's make magic happen. All right. And. Oh, he's even acting it out. That's great. Makes for great radio. Uh, all right. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, just hit the brakes for me. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Just a moment. Listen, you're diving into something special. But there's a tune in my head that says that we can do even more. Sorry. I've been I've been twisting these dials for decades. Wait, how old is my console? I've been using these slide sliders for decades. And if there's one thing I've learned, is that tech can't do all the heavy lifting. Just just lend your ear for a minute. I've got a real deal piece of advice for you. Your voice, baby. Baby! It's got power. Emotion. It's a story waiting to be unfolded in every note, but your skill needs to be refined, like tuning a vintage guitar or a, a violin. Listen, you get what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> it's all about practicing with intent. Shh, hang on. It's <laughs> a great Every day, joke just for the uh, live streaming audience. You should be hitting those scales, exploring new melodies, and dissecting every note until it's second nature. All those pop stars out there, they ain't just waltzing into the studio unprepared. I mean, some of them are, and we do a lot of auto-tune, but you, you ain't one of them, baby. They're drilling again and again until their voice follows their emotion, not the other way around. And here's the kicker. As you practice, record yourself. I'm serious. Use that smartphone of yours and record every session. Listen back. Not to admire. I mean, you can admire a little. But analyze. <laughs> Find those tiny hiccups. The moments where the motion wanes and correct it the next time around. So it's not just about your vocal prowess. It's about becoming a technician of your own tool, your voice. So when you step into this booth, your emotion, the technique, they're dancing in sync, creating something truly timeless. Go get them, Tiger. Another command performance, Zach Sloan. I no, I hate nothing more than being a singer in the booth when they're giving you little speeches. It's like, <laughs> can I just freaking record? I know the note was bad. I'm just going to do better. Can we just hit record again, please? Are you Now, when you're in that moment as the engineer, right, and you're doing this in the real world, do you do the thing where, like, the worse the take, the more that you feel like you have to give them praise? It's like a complete inverse relationship kind of thing between like how much you have to praise them like compared to how terrible the take was or are you honest I'm, i mean i don't i'm never like hey that was really bad um actually that's not true i've done that before because i knew the artist really well like but usually if they screw up they know they've screw, screwed up and if you sit there and just like prattle on it just irritates them <laughs> what i what i just say is i'll just be like hey let's do that one more time and they'll usually go yeah and then you move on if they need a pep talk take them out of the booth bring them in 
give them some tea let them it may just be fatigue honestly give them a minute just chill that's usually the pep talk they need the whole over the top you got this is mostly annoying you can do this <laughs> yeah people don't usually like that crap so just keep it keep it chill people <laughs> there you go um uh, another excellent performance from you, Zach Sloan. Thanks very, very much. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to be joined by Sarah Barnett from Brooklyn Bowl next. Keep checking out Break the Business. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. Ryan Corella here, joined by Master Thespian, producer, and all-around terrific human being, Zach Sloan. We got ourselves a great continuation here to this program. Let's get right into it. Excited to bring out our guest this week. She is the general manager of Brooklyn Bowl Nashville, a bowling and music venue that since its 2021 opening has hosted artists such as Elvis Costello, Leon Bridges, and Lainey Wilson. Our guest venue was named the best new concert venue at the 2022 Polestar Awards. And you can find out more about our guest's work by visiting brooklynbowl.com slash Nashville. We are happy to welcome Sarah Barnett on to Break the Business. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk about my three favorite things in the world. Music, bowling, and food. And Brooklyn Bowl has all of them. I don't know how the geniuses behind Brooklyn Bowl conceived of the idea of let's take bowling awesome live music awesome and put them under the same roof because who isn't going to love this but i mean i know you've worked in live music for a bunch of different venues for a long time this has to be like the coolest place you've worked oh it's it's super cool it's unlike anything else and i can't take credit for the concept at all because you know i was lucky to start with them in 2019 but um it's it's so different and yeah there's like 
sure, there's other spaces where you can go bowling and you can eat at a restaurant or you can see a show, but they're usually separated, right? By rooms, but this is all one room. So it's just like a whole experience where you can just experience, you know, see it all at the same time and experience it all at the same time. So yeah, it's crazy. I love it. I love it. And Brooklyn Bowl has certainly made a home for itself in Nashville and established itself as as one of the really cool venues in a city that obviously has many cool venues. But I think we can all agree that the beginnings of the venue in Nashville were, shall we say, less than (laughs) ideal. Um, You were originally scheduled to open the venue in 2020, and your venue suffered the same fate as I did last week. When you uh, both were affected by COVID, you had to delay your opening. The pandemic hit. What a bad way to start (laughs) in your new Nashville home. Uh, What was that experience like? How did you all adapt to the fact that you were a live music venue that couldn't do live music in a venue? Uh, Well, it was definitely nerve wracking because we're getting ready to open. And that in itself is is so stressful, right, to to get ready for this brand new opening and new staff and training staff. And our opening night was going to be March 14th of 2020. Like it was 2020. Come on. It was the day that everything shut down. Um, So we're really like the Thursday before we were going to have a grand opening party. And we were hearing this news about this new virus going around. Um, And there was still a little bit of construction still happening in the building too. And we were still working out details there. But so I called the the team into a room and, and you know, we were like, OK, should we open tomorrow to uh, 3000 people that we invited to this 1200 cap venue um, with this new virus happening? Or should we just delay the opening? And so we decided to delay it. And that was the right choice because we didn't open officially again until July 2021. In the meantime, we were able to like pivot and we did live streams. Um, So that's when we had um, Illiterate Light. We did, well, we did a bunch of, now I can't think, Jason Isbell um, just did these live streams that that end up working out really well. The sound was great and the video was great. And so it, it, I got really lucky to be able to stay and do that. So what were the live streams like? Did you use the existing venue? Mm-hmm. Did you, did, um, you know, take us to that, take us to the ad- adaptations you had to make to Brooklyn Bowl to, <laughs> to get these live streams up and running. Well, at that time it was me oh, I'm sure. and my box office manager and our talent buyer. Um, we were the only ones on the staff at that time. Um, and we were able to bring back the production manager temporarily and then his staff too, for these, um, you know, but it wasn't consistently. It was just when we did a live stream, he would come back and bring the staff. So it was a very, very small group of people. We had to be really super, super safe, you know, make sure everyone was wearing a mask, make sure we were testing everyone. So going through that at the same time too, that we were doing this and it was, they were just playing to an empty room and where everyone is masked up, everyone's more than six feet apart, except for the people on stage. Um, but it was, still magical too to like be able to experience that especially in those really really uncertain and stressful times i mean you're the whole beginnings of brooklyn bowl nashville is just one adversity overcome after another (laughs) you spent your entire 2020 uh 
you know, going through a pandemic when you couldn't physically open. And then finally you get open and now you have to get back to what the original challenge was, which was successfully integrating a venue with New York roots with the name Brooklyn in the title of the venue into the Nashville music scene, which I imagine probably had some amount of skepticism to welcoming a venue that had the name Brooklyn in it. So what was that integration process like? What did you do to bring this uh, brand, which has locations, you know, obviously outside of Nashville, but to integrate it into the Nashville scene? That was definitely a huge challenge for sure. Um, I'm from Nashville. I'm a local gal. Um, I grew up in small town, Tennessee. I've lived here for 25 years. Um, a lot of our team are, you know, the leadership team are locals as well or from Georgia. Um, you know, we didn't want to be, you know, the Brooklyn or LA coming to Nashville and trying to take over and change Nashville. And, and we know better than that. And, and definitely the owners know, knew better than that as well. Um, and we just tried to let it be known that we are run by locals and we have like the community at, at, in our hearts and our minds. Uh, we try to do local shows as well. Um, so it's definitely a difficult, <laughs> it was definitely a challenge, but, uh, I think we're, we're doing okay navigating that, um, right now it's taking well, some time, but we're letting people know who we are. Well, and in terms of bringing artists into your venue, I would like to shamelessly introduce you to my co-host, Zach Sloan. Now, a few things you need to know about him. Obviously, you can just tell from looking at him, all right? Killer smile, great head of hair, and just all around <laughs> wonderful human being. Mm -hmm. What you won't know until you Google him a little bit, dynamite musician, great band, uh, great producer, plays all over the country, and it's just a, a really amazing sound. Now... I know from talking to Luke, Lucas Sachs, who uh, you know does booking for the for Brooklyn Bowl, we had him on the show a few months ago. Mm -hmm. We know that Brooklyn Bowl has a very accommodating attitude towards bringing, you know, giving opportunities to independent musicians. It's not just about bringing in the big name artist into your venue. So, for somebody like Zach, who perhaps might be interested in playing your venue, but maybe doesn't have the booking agent and some of the trimmings that one might have with big name artists. You have any advice for those kind of artists on potentially playing a venue like yours someday? What do you look for when you're looking for when you're uh, considering an unknown artist for your venue? That's a good question, and I'm I don't think I'm qualified to answer it because I'm not the talent buyer. But we do look for different, you know, different artists, right? And we'll do anything from country to R and B to indie rock. Um, we have an amazing talent buyer um, in house who listens to every single artist that is sent to him. So if, if you send an email to Nashville booking at brooklynbowl.com, Rick Poss is going to listen to it and he will put it in a spreadsheet and be like, this would be perfect for this kind of, this would be perfect support for this kind of show, or this would be perfect for our patio. Um, and he really, really cares about music and he cares about the people and and so i think that is what you know we just we care and so we want to look for people that that also care well our um, apologies in advance for you giving out that email address <laughs> and what that's about to do to your coworker spreadsheet but you know you know we we appreciate that and uh we'll you know i hope a lot of artists will take advantage of that and you know 
And who wouldn't want to play at a venue where there's bowling and good food? Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's talk. Let's let's bring things back to you again, Sarah, because I mean, your story is a really cool one. As as you said, you know, you've 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 uh, run several venues in Nashville. You got the Nashville roots, the Tennessee roots, and I'm fascinated by somebody who can rise up and get ahead and achieve great things in a in a field like running venues, one that tends to be male dominated. That, you know, in a lot of uh, cities, I've seen it as kind of an old boys club. It's the same kind of dudes that have been, you know, you know, bouncing around the different venues over the years. And it's hard for new folks to break in. It's particularly challenging in a lot of cities for women to break in. And so I'm curious to get your perspective on what it's being what it's like as a woman in your industry, uh, moving up the ladder and getting these really cool opportunities. Thank you. Um, It's. I, my background is hospitality. So I grew up working in bars and restaurants and, and just being naturally um, skilled at that and learning how all of the pieces fit together and to work together as a whole. And I'm, I can see the big picture and and run those things. Um, And I guess, I suppose I'm just a natural leader. um, And that's just something I learned as I was coming up in those bars and restaurants um, but, uh, no one would ever say that uh, I'm not tough <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or, or too weak. Um, and unfortunately like that is something that you have to be, um, to be a leader and to, to, um, to manage so many people, um, and to be a woman and it's unfortunate, but uh, that is just the way it is. Um, but I, I love it. I love it. I, I am love managing people. I love just making all of it make sense. The chaos. So I, it's, (laughs) there's no like clear answer to that. It's, there's a lot of different things that you can do to, to move up. And I, I've just worked really hard and, and care so much about what I do, no matter what it is. And admittedly, it is an unfair question to ask somebody about like their perspective as either being a woman or a minority or anything else in a particular field. Because it's not like you have a basis of comparison. It's not like it's like, well, I've been a I've been a woman, uh, you know, running a venue for ten years, but I've also been a white dude running a venue for ten years. So I can tell you what both is like. Now, I mean, you have your, I mean, you know what your own perspective is, and it's hard to kind of have something to compare it to. But I mean, the the stories about having to be tough, working twice as hard as others have to um, is inspiring. And and now I have to now ask the career day question uh, and one you've probably gotten way too many times. So apologies in advance. But for those who are looking at what you have and, you know, maybe they're in college, maybe they're early in their career in either hospitality or music and would like to get where you're at. Do you have any advice for them? Yes. Um, just stay with it and don't ever think that you're too good for your position. Uh, I think a lot of people try to skip to the top too fast. And it's really like, even if you're starting out new somewhere, you know, start at the bottom, work hard doing that. And people will see it and they'll recognize that hard work. And that is ultimately what happened to me. I was lucky enough to work with someone who saw and recognized how hard I worked and that I, I could manage a, a large venue or, you know, a small venue, but a larger business. And, and that's, that's it. That's how it was. Like 
you know, eventually you work hard, you do the right thing, it will pay off. Now, I also know that you are a fan of stand-up comedy. <laughs> and I I consider myself something of like a stand-up comedy snob. And I, you know, there, there are certain comics that like I just, Uh-oh. I love listening to. And I, I just, I love going to comedy venues. So I'm, I'm glad to have a kindred spirit in this regard. Um, who, who are some of your favorite comedians going right now? Well, right now I'm... No offense, but I've kind of obsessed with the Freedom podcast. I listen to that a lot. And it is Paul F. Tompkins and Scott Ackerman and Lauren Lapkus. So they are definitely um, at the top of my list. Right now. Paul F. Tompkins, for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I love Tig Notaro. I've seen her uh, live. I've seen um, Mike Birbiglia. I really oh. like Nate Bargatze. Oh. And, and I think like they especially Mike Barbiglia, he puts so much effort into his shows and it just really like his, his callbacks and, and how he loops it all in at the very, very end. And it's just, it's, he puts so much thought into every joke that he's writing. And the um, genre bending it. that Barbiglia does is so cool, right? Like he, he, he's done the traditional stand up comedy and, you know, he'll, you know, the tight 10, you know, 90 minute show, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But then he goes, you know, and then he does like Sleepwalk With Me. He does like what could be more adequately described as a one person show as opposed to traditional stand up comedy. Or he'll do, you know, movies that like have a stand up comedy uh, bent to them. And so he's, you know, he does things with uh, Ira Glass. Right. And, and so he, he's looking for ways to kind of push the medium and drive it forward and do things that other people aren't doing. And, you know, I yeah, I think he's he's always so awesome. <laughs> Yes, I uh, agree. He's you know, great. And Zach, um, I, I mean, I, I mean, and, and I don't know if you're also Berbigly a fan, but like he, you know, he still has like the most, uh, you know, one of the most legendary jokes I've ever heard, where he says, uh, you know, uh, you know, I asked my, you know, I asked my girlfriend like what her biggest fear was, and she said that you're going to leave me and I'm going to be alone forever. I said, "What's your?" And yes, she, she asked me what my biggest fear was, and I said, "Bears." <laughs> <laughs> Just absolute genius. Ah, oh. <laughs> well, um, and yes, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, obviously, and another great one too, because you know, obviously, you know, he he's a amazing stand-up comic, but also gives you like incredible actor, voiceover artist, um, and you know, does a lot, you know, podcasting, you know, on a bunch of different podcasts. Yeah, uh, it seems like a genuinely like good guy too. Yes, and I yes. really like that. Like very wholesome. Oh, delight. And, you know, the, the <laughs> dress is so nice. You got to appreciate that. Um, you can find out more about our guest work by visiting brooklynbowl.com slash Nashville. And as if you didn't have enough cool venues to check out in Nashville, if you're ever there, you got one more because this one's got bowling. So that's all you need to know. Uh, Sarah, this has been awesome. Really enjoyed our chat here. Before we let you go, do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Don't give up. I mean, especially like right now, everyone is listening. It's just music is everywhere and it's so available, uh, which is wonderful. It's uh, so, yeah, don't give up. Just keep going. There's there's people out there that are going to love it. Sarah, this has been a slice of heaven. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We had an absolute blast. Don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon. Yeah, thanks.
Sarah Barnett, everybody. I love the Brooklyn Bowl people, Zach. I mean, Lucas Sachs was awesome. Sarah Barnett is awesome. I mean, I I kind of just want to go. I, I want to like I want to be like one of these you know people that follow the Grateful Dead and just you know just start going to Brooklyn Bowls all over the place because I feel like I'm gonna have a great time at every single one. Well, I gotta tell you, I've been I was hanging out on their uh, on their their calendar. Uh, and a f- friend of the podcast, Andy Frasco and the UN are going to be playing there in November. Hey, um, hey, hey. Owl City's going to, like, they pull in some exceptional acts. So, and also, I want to f- shout this out. Uh, their ticket prices are super reasonable. If you want to see a, a cool show at a great venue and see some good music, I don't know if you're going to beat this in Nashville, honestly, because I was, I was doing some comparing behind the scenes, and this is, this looks legit, man. And and your band's gonna be playing in there like at least within six months, I'm guessing. So I mean, that's another thing for people to look forward to. You know it. I'll I'll. Submit We're manifesting it. We're willing it into existence, Zach Sloan. Um, this has been uh, an absolute treat. What a what a great good time we've had. Uh, producer Lauren, if I could uh, bring you back here one more time. Um, I do want to play. We do have a musical guest that we want to uh, perform. We have a, or we, we want to play. We have an artist named Eric Hunker who's going to be playing uh, his. We're going to be playing his latest single, "When It All Ends," off of his uh, upcoming album, "Beautiful Endings." Mm-hmm. But before we play that, I wanted to give you a quick moment to talk about what you're doing this coming week with Rockers on Broadway because it's so so cool. Oh, on Monday. Oh, now I have to remember the website. I think it's rockersonbroadway.org or Path Fund. Look up one of those. Um it's our 30th anniversary for Rockers on Broadway. There are still some tickets available. This year we'll be honoring Melissa Etheridge. Uh, super excited about that, but it's a great opportunity for the Path Fund, which is performing artists that help. And it's uh, an organization that does a lot of work with other organizations and goes out to... Um, outreach into schools and works with kids that are hopefully Broadway bound and brings together rock and roll artists and Broadway artists. And uh, it's just a really, really wonderful time. And a, you know, tickets range from hundreds of dollars to sit in the front with the VIP people to, you know, I think reasonably 20 or 40 bucks to be in the room in a lower end. Um, and it's, it's a lot, a lot of fun. So if you happen to be in Manhattan, we will be at Sony hall, on 46th Street uh, this coming Monday. So check it out or follow up afterward and just watch how awesome it was. Rockers gonna... on Broadway does have an album out now too, talking about indie artists and indie albums. You can check out our artists uh, from live recordings from our past shows. So check that out. Our thanks to Sarah Barnett, our co-host Zach Sloan and producer Lauren for bringing us a great show this week. We're going to be closing with a track from Tulsa-based artist, Eric Hunker off his upcoming album, Beautiful Endings. This is When It All Ends here on Break the Business. Thank you all for checking out the show this week. We'll see you next week. There's a kind of peace moving every couple years, packing up and finding a new home. There's a beauty in the anonymity it brings When my feet get to itching, I just run All my friends have stopped inviting me to where they are 
Figuring I'll just be on the road It's not that they're wrong It's just that I wish it were different But hey, the plane is boarding time Seeking beyond where 